the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belsharsar. Whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Daniel, has your god been able to rescue you from the lions? My god sent his angel, and he shut the mouth of the lions. Daniel, how are you doing, church, tonight? Do you doing good? I doing awesome. You know why? Yesterday I played ice okay. Ice okay, like I kicked and crashed everybody. We played Zurich against Austria. And we won, of course. And when you're playing ice okay, you feel like <laughs> super strong. Then I preach. <sighs> no, no, just kidding. Okay, uh, we today, tonight you start with the topic Daniel, take a stand. The topic is how I deal with pressure. Is there anybody here you love pressure? I don't like it. Especially not when you are in a school or at the workplace or even in your family. Sometimes people are against you, against your faith, against your church, against Christianity. And sometimes the Christian culture collides with the worldly culture. And that creates a tremendous pressure in our life. And it raises up some questions in you. And I want to read some questions it raises in us. For example, some Christians, we ask the question, is the whole Bible, I mean the whole Bible still relevant today or on some passages outdated? Are really everything right or should we change certain things in a modern language? And the second question is, doesn't God love all people? It doesn't matter if you live in Babylonian, Zurich, or wherever. In the end of the day, love wins. What's the problem? There is no hell, only heaven, because love wins, for example. Or how should we respond when others says, my Christian views are unloving? Or what is my role as a follower of Jesus Christ in today's constantly shifting culture? Culture is changing but God doesn't change. How can I stand firm in my faith and still be integrated in society? Or if you have kids, now comes the real question. How do I help my kids love God's values when the culture tells them something differently day and night to society and to every news? And Daniel and the three friends, they face the same questions. And let's go into the story of Daniel chapter number two on the screen that you have any clue what is the message all about. Here the Daniel and the three friends. After the reign of David and Solomon, the kingdom was divided through a civil war. Israel to the north and Judah to the south. The tribes in the north started to worship idols. God warned them over and over again, but they ignored him. That's why the Assyrians could conquer them. Even though this was a warning example, shortly after that, Judah was turning away from God too. They ignored the warnings from prophets, such as Jeremiah, and as a result have been taken into exile as slaves under the rulership of Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel was amongst them. 
Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers. I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. May the king live forever. I tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. <laughs> no, you tell me the dream and interpret it for me. How is this supposed to work? This is not possible. If you do not tell me the dream, there is only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. What the king asked is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods. And they do not live among humans. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. Also, men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. Please pray for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that we might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and went to the king. Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Your majesty looked, and there before you stood a large statue. The head of the statue was made of pure gold its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. And now we will interpret it to the king. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands, he has placed all mankind. You are that head of gold. After you, another kingdom will arise, inferior to yours. Just as you saw the feet, the kingdom will have some of the strength of iron and at the same time be fragile as clay. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel. Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and revealer of mysteries. For you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. 
So this is uh, chapter number two in the life of Daniel. Daniel faced tremendous pressure. And I want to read the Bible verse to you. In Daniel chapter two, verse five and six, and you will see immediately the pressure they faced. But the king said to the astrologers, I am serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you will be torn from limb to limb and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. I say this is a problem, right? They faced a tremendous real problem and issue. And here's the thing. When we're facing troubles in our lives or some challenges, we're reacting often like a balloon. Some people, they will say, oh, the pressure gets so heavy, so big. They cannot handle the pressure. Boom, they're exploding. They say, oh, this is too much for me. I cannot stand it anymore. Others, they will say, oh, the pressure is so big. It's too much for me. They're losing control and they do like this. And you're very, sorry. And they're very loose. Either you crash or I believe there's something in the middle. Daniel, he didn't flip out or he let go. He stand firm and he believed there is a third way. And even the trouble and the challenge gets a little bit harder. In verse 12 and 13, the king was furious when he heard this and he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. This is not easy. It's a life-threatening thing. They were under pressure. And I love to teach you about four steps how we can overcome some pressures in our lives. Point number one, keep my cool when the pressure gets super hot. If the pressure gets hot, stay calm. It's easier to say than done it. I know it. For example, uh, you, everybody is on Facebook, social media, right? If not, welcome to year 2018. But Facebook, social media, it's a cool thing in one way, but in the other way, people just can post whatever they want to post. And for example, there was a, a person uh, last week, and this is just an ex one example of many, many tweets I receive and I get, and there was a person who wrote me back, and this is official, she said, by the way, what is said in the preaching is an abuse of the word of God. Because the meaning in Hebrew and Aramaic is a different one. Temper prostitution and fetophilies. And here's the thing, I'm not even preached about that. She came up with things, not even preached about it. It's a stupid person. Taking the word of God literally is an abuse of the word of God. Give me a break. This is very complex, right? When I read that, and I have many, many tweets like that, you know what I do? I'm not writing back. Don't write back on social media. Don't do that unless you want to create a shitstorm. Don't do that because you're crossing a line. You're not in that position because behind every tweet when somebody is blaming you, there's another story. Maybe their cat died a week ago. And she felt you are 
the reason, and she blamed me for something I'm not even involved. Or, so, or maybe the, go, the, the boyfriend left her and she thinks all the men, they're mean. There's always a story behind the story. Just keep calm and quiet and be cool. I want to tell you an amazing illustration and I think it will help you, but before my producer has to fix it because I kicked the stage a little bit too much. This is actually Detlef. Let's give Detlef a big hand. Thank you so much. Okay. I believe this illustration, uh, it's a big help for many, many people because the, the forks, they're standing for my prayer life. The toothpick stands for my life. And the glass is representing God Almighty. And for example, when you're facing a tough pressure, just start to pray. Hold your hands together in a prayer position, like this. You know that? Catholic style. I start to pray. And this is my life. I connect my, my life with my prayer. And I'm asking God, and I, uh, I put this already in place, and I ask God to, he, he, to hold me together, to keep me, to balance my life. I pray to God. Two quicks means this is my life. And the glass is re representing God. And why i using this illustration? Because sometimes when you're facing pressure, you think, I will not made it. This is too big for me. People are against me. And here is what the devil or sometimes other people are doing. They try to burn your life down. They try to spread rumors or just crash your Christian face. And it starts to burn. Your life starts to burn. You see that? It burns. Please watch and learn. But it stops. Wherever your life is connected with God, every pressure stops. Every rumor has to stop. Okay, I can hear it a little bit more. If you, if you don't believe that, you can, you can hear as much as you want. It stops. It will not go further. And this is actually a picture when you're facing pressure in your life. It cannot cross God. It cannot cross God. That's why keep calm, trust, and stand and believe in God Almighty. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, when Ariok, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, I mean, that's hard. Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and distraction. He asked Archeot, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Archeot told him, and all he had happened. When you keep down, calm down, ask a wise question. Why I'm facing pressure? Where is God? What is the solution? What could be in the end? Keep calm. Point number two, trust God with your problem. Daniel chapter 2 verse 16. Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Why more time? And here's the key. Often when we're facing a pressure, we say, God help me now. Immediately, now. And the thing is, relationship, it's always time. You have to say, your soul, shut up, soul. Be quiet. And you have to focus in your spirit and you're listening. What is God's wisdom? What is God's way? You have to find a place 
where you be quiet and you're listening to God Almighty. You know why? Because here is a word, and I love there's just one word in the text of Daniel chapter 2, verse 27 to 28. Daniel replied, there are no wise men, and so on and so on and on to reveal the king's secret. But there is a God. You don't have to understand theology, but grammar. Here's a word. And I believe this word is maybe for you. And here is the word, it's a simple grammatic word, and the word means but. Whenever you face difficulties, pressure, there is a but. But means God is in store of everything. God has my life under control. I'm not floating somewhere. God is the first and the last word, Alpha and Omega, the end and the beginning. God has everything in store. He has the solution. He knows the answer. I position myself like Daniel, even when it's life-threatening. There is a God, but there is God. There is a God, but. You know, why is this so important? I'll tell you a story. For my, my sister, she lives in Italy, and maybe you heard the story already. She, they, they're not doing so well in terms of money, and God spoke to me and said to me, if you want to change the world, just look first for your family. And I'm supporting my sister every year, year by year, year by year, and I told you the story about actually a fruit store for her uh, in Italy, and they're doing very, very well. I brought a picture with me in the back with the fruit store, and the whole family is working there. And this year, I went to a lot of challenges because there was a coming home project where we gave money for this amazing building. They were the rich 2017 and 2018. We gave money and the ties and everything. And my bank account is zero. It's not a big deal as a Swiss guy, but it's zero. I'm not starving or complaining. It's just zero. My, my sister, she came and then I asked God, I mean, said, God, uh, you said to myself, I should support my sister, but I gave all the money to the church. How much should I give? But my bank account is zero. I mean, it's just a, a polite question. How much should I give, you know? Because I'm a Christian, I want to be obedient. How much should I give? And I knew the answer would be easy for this here is grace. And God, I heard the voice, 4,000 euros. It's approximately 5,000 US dollars. I said, God, wow, you're so cool. I don't want to put you in a bad position, but have you don't seen my bank account? It's zero. <laughs> you know that? It's zero. Zero. But I heard it. I said to my family, oh, uh, you Mike Belavacci preached in an, our ISAF conference an amazing message. The law of language of God is obedience. And I wrote it down, write it down, and said, yeah, that's a cool slogan. And it came up to in my mind again, the love language of God is obedience. I texted my sister and said, hey, God bless you. God spoke to me. I will give you 4,000 euros. Just in faith, believed that God will do somehow a miracle. But I said to God, now I have a problem. I promised, and I don't have any money. And I preached in, in Germany in a place, and then after my message, I have to sign books. And then there was a line about maybe 50, 100 people, really, it was a huge line. And there was a guy, he said to me, can I have a chat with you for one minute? I said, oh, I'm so sorry, I have to sign books. I cannot uh, speak with you, but 
could you maybe wait for an hour and then I take time for you and we pray for each other and say, yeah, no problem. I said to my PA, in, in the end of the book writing, please remind myself about this guy because I promised him. And I signed the books and when the one hour was over, I stood up and I went to this guy. And the guy said to me, and he started to shake, I've never done it before. And I don't know you. I heard you for the very first time in my life. But when you preached, God spoke to me. And I never heard something before. And I was not sure if this is God or not. And he was shaking. I said, come on, speak it out. What's the... And he said, and he shaked, I've never done it before. I feel really uncomfortable. But God spoke to me. I should give you money. And I don't know why, and you look cool and rich, and I don't know why. And he had the number, the exact number I promised to my sister, and he took out from the purse the money and handed it to me. And I said to him, you have no clue what you're doing. God spoke to me, it was obedience in faith, and now you give me exactly the same amount. But then I said to myself, if I would knew it before, I will not sign the books, we'll go to him straight. <laughs> I mean, this is what's dangerous. Can you imagine, this guy could say, oh God, I, I pointed him, but yet no time, it's not my problem anymore. And he walked away, glad that he waited for one hour. And here is the story, why I'm telling you that there is a but. You facing maybe a situation in your life, it's a but. The situation will say it's impossible, but there is a God. God is a God of signs and miracles. You have to position yourself in those moments when you are under pressure. You remind yourself about God's goodness, about God's greatness. He can do everything in your life. And God is a God of signs and miracles. This is our God. Come on. There is a but. Point number three. Include your surrounding, your friends throughout the process. Here is the thing, when we're facing some pressures and challenges, sometimes we have to fight alone. Fighting alone, you know? Sometimes we fight alone. This is like a prayer, a fight alone, you know? Sometimes fighting alone is it's very hard. It's nothing wrong about fighting alone, but here's the thing. When Daniel faced the challenge, he asked his friends. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, then Daniel went home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Here's the thing. In chapter number 1, they changed their names. Babylonian changed their names. The real names changed. And they said, we have godly names. We still believe those names means God is my judge, God is grace, God is big, God is good. This was the meaning of the names. They came together and said, we have a godly identity. Whatever we are culture in, we believe in ours. And then Daniel asked his friends, and that's a cool thing. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show him his mercy by telling them, the secrets, so they would not exclude it, along with the other wise men of Babylon. Daniel, not thought, is alone. He asked his group, and I asked some guys on the stage because I have a small group. If you don't have a small group in your life, 
you are really, really alone. You fight alone. You have pressures alone. And I believe in the power of small groups because if you're sitting in a church like this, people can say, I was in the church two years, for two years, uh, and, and when I was in difficulties, nobody looked after me. Yeah, of course not. You were just somewhere a number. You need a group. You have to surround it by friends. Daniel was surrounded with friends and they said, guys, please pray with me. And I want to give you an image what prayer means. Because Bible says, are two or three people coming together in the name of Christ? Jesus is here. And when they lay their hands on me, oh, soft hands. Oh, hands all over, I feel like, oh, I'm, I'm not alone, you know. Even to touch me, praying with me, it's saying, we support you. We are with you. You're not walking alone. We are with you. You need that. If you don't have a group, you are flipping alone. You can fight alone. There are moments where you fight alone, but God has called us to do together life. And when you are really weak, you are on the ground, your group will lift your hands and they help you up. Look at, please look. <laughs> and I said, thank you so much. This is the power of a group. Thank you so much. We need a group. Daniel didn't fall alone. He had some people around him who supported him. And had, that's the power of a group. This morning a woman came to me and said, ah, I'm so busy. I don't have a group. I said, oh, that's dangerous. When you're alone, who is around you? The church, the church is a number. You need a group of friends that are doing church life together. And this, I want to close with the last point. And when I started out chapter number two, it ends a little bit weird. But all of a sudden, I saw a message. Because when we're facing pressure, for example, because you believe in God in your family or in your school or in your workplace, sometimes people laugh about you say, how can you believe in God? You live in the year 2018. How can you, why are you giving the tithes or why are you doing this and this? We're facing some pressures. And here is an amazing thing. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 37, Your majesty, Daniel said, you are the greatest of kings. The God of heaven has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. Nebuchadnezzar said, oh, you're a good guy, Daniel. You love me, you're supporting me, you believe in me. But here is the message. The dream was all about when I die, Nebuchadnezzar, who will be next? And Daniel had a vision. And let's go in this vision. He saw a big statue. And the head was full of gold. The waist was silver. And it was brass. It was iron. And the feet were iron and clay. Iron and clay clay. And Daniel said, I see a vision. There are four big kingdoms. The biggest kingdom is your kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar. You are the biggest kingdom. And after you, all the kingdoms are smaller and weaker. And after Babylonian came the Persian Empire, then the classic Greek, and then the Roman Empire. In the end of the Roman Empire, they felt we are drifting. We are falling apart. They said, okay, we are iron. If we are marry other nations and other kings like iron and clay, we can hold the kingdom together. 
And then it is saying, there comes a kingdom, they want to marry with other nations, and iron and clay, they will not fit together. It will fall apart. And then Daniel said, God gave me a vision. And now please listen to me. And here's a message. He lines up all the things in the dream thousands of years ago. Because people face the same challenges as we facing right now. Social media, they're against us, culture and everything. And Daniel saw from heaven, there was a rock was released. And the rock was rolling to those feet. And they crashed the whole statue. And when the statue was crashed, there were a stone. And the stone started to grow to a tremendous mountain. And that mountain became a new kingdom who was even bigger than all the kingdoms before. And I will love to read you this Bible verse in Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. During the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness and will stand forever. God is saying to Daniel that Jesus Christ, he is the real rock. And when Jesus is coming to earth, he will start a new kingdom. A rock doesn't look like a cool kingdom. It's a rocky thing. It's not shiny. It's not glancing. It's just simple. And when Peter came, Jesus said, Peter, I will build on you the church. You are the rock. He preached the word of God. And 3,000 people got saved in one day. And the rock started growing and growing. From a rock became a mountain. And all of a sudden, the kingdom of God is unstoppable. That means when we are following Jesus Christ, we belong to a kingdom. It's unstoppable. He crashes all the kingdom, all the culture before and after. Why is that so important? Because sometimes we're facing pressure. We're facing situations where people are against us. Or even there are a lot of people, you're thinking right now, I believe in God, I serve God, I follow God, I'm obedient according to the word of God. But it seems that other people, they don't believe in God. They're doing better. They have more money than you have. It seems they're healthier than you are. It looks that their life is much cooler than your life. And we're facing often like issues, questions, challenges. And you say, why are you doing that? Why are you holding up the name of God in a society where people don't love God anymore? Why are you doing that? Why why you do that? And there's a lot of people right now, you have some questions to God. Does it make really sense to follow God? I'm really right. Is the Bible really right? Is the church right? About pre-sex and all these amazing topics, gender, homosexuality, you can mention whatever you want. Is this really true? And Daniel, thousands of years ago, as a message, all the kingdoms will be crushed. In the end of your life, there's only one question. Has you built your life on a rock 
on a new kingdom? A kingdom that will last forever? The dream was actually a message for every generation. What is your foundation? There's a slogan, forever young, forever fresh, and always cash. To stay young, you can use Botox. To stay fresh, you drink smoothies. To be rich, Bitcoin. Just kidding. I have nothing, I no problem about Bitcoins and Botox. You can do whatever you want. But the message is, what is your foundation? If you build your life on a rock, and the rock doesn't look so cool, it's an ordinary, a simple thing. Christianity, it's simple. Christianity is not shiny. It's a rock, and his name is Jesus Christ. Culture will crushed, but Jesus stands forever. And people are asking me, I want to close with that, why you serve in the church? Why you give so much money to the local church? My answer is always, I believe in that rock. And I will help as much as I can to glorify the name of God in a culture where people don't believe in God anymore. I'm the light and the salt. And the salt is only a salt if you use the salt. A light is only a light if you use the light. And I will be used by God. And I will be a salt. And I will stand for this rock in a culture where people don't believe in God anymore. This is the message of Daniel. Even when we're under pressure, we're standing firm. Because my home and my destiny is not planet Earth. It's heaven. 80 years is nothing compared to an eternity. Let's position ourselves on a simple rock and that kingdom will never crash. It's growing and growing. Sometimes I wonder when everything fails and fades away, what does remain? Why do we come to this place from near and far? Because at the end of the day, there's nothing else that remains. What would it look like to face the consequences of something so radical? What would it actually look like to follow Jesus? Friendships may fail, heroes may fail, eventually riches turn worthless. He stirs a thirst for truth, compassion and love. Nothing that this earth could ever quench. What is it that we can truly build our lives and hope on? There is one thing and one thing only when it's all said and done. He alone is our solid rock, our center and our foundation.